We read the Holy Scriptures tonight in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, looking at verse 16. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. Reading the third chapter of 2 Thessalonians, in both 1 and 2 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul is talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the second epistle, he writes specifically because the believers in Thessalonica were under persecution. Verse 4 of chapter 1 and verse 7. There were many that troubled them. And he points them to the Lord's coming as their comfort, their strength. And then in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul tells them of the signs of apostasy, the falling away of many uh, before that day come, and then he tells them of the Antichrist who will appear and that there will be a delusion, verse 11 of chapter 2, a strong delusion before the end, that they should believe, that men should believe a lie. And then he concludes the chapter by, again, comforting their hearts in Christ. And then chapter 3. We read, finally, brethren, pray for us, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not the faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct, we could read the word, and we could change that to focus, and the Lord focus your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which ye received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power. He means their authority. He's saying we do have the right to be supported as a minister of the gospel. He had that right, but he didn't exercise that right in Thessalonica, but to make ourselves examples, that's why he wanted to be an example for them to follow. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if ye would not, it, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. 
Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing, and if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now the Lord of peace grant himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Verse 16 reads, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The Church of God in Thessalonica is addressed in both epistles as the church which was in God our Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had been drawn into the covenant of God. They were in God, in fellowship, and they called God by grace their Almighty Father. They were further in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ was in them and they were in him by a true saving faith. But although that was true of them, they were nevertheless troubled. They were shaken. And many of their members were distraught. And many of their members lacked peace. The recipe for this lack of peace was the recipe which always brings a lack of peace in the church and in our own lives. That recipe was, first of all, a lack of full instruction in the Word of God. The Apostle Paul, you will remember from the book of Acts and the second missionary journey, labored only six months in Thessalonica and had to leave prematurely because of persecution, and he had not been able to finish clearly teaching them the truths of the second return. What happened in his absence was that there was not only a lack of thorough knowledge, but then there came also the second thing that brings trouble, and that is false teachers. When you take a lack of thorough knowledge in the Bible and you add false teachers and then you heat it up with troubles and trials in life, you get a lack of peace. You get anxiety. You get confusion. You get hopelessness in the church. I said that as Paul was not able yet to finish his instruction, false teachers arose And these false teachers came into Thessalonica saying that the return of Christ was imminent. It was within the month. It was certainly within the next few months. They sent out letters to the members of Thessalonica as if they were Paul. They they forged Paul's signature and spread these false reports. 
chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, verse 2. He said, Paul says to them, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of the Lord is at hand. They had sent a false letter with his signature. That's why he concludes in verse 17 of chapter 3, the salutation, the signature of Paul with my own hand. He's saying to them, look at the signature to this epistle. My signature is at the bottom of every epistle I write. This is the truth of God. Believing that Christ was going to come back within a short time, many of them left their jobs. They left their responsibilities. They abandoned their calling. This resulted in idleness. In their idleness, they became gossips. They were busy gossiping, sending, they didn't have text messages, but sending their messages around, getting into trouble with their words. And not only were they gossips, but they became hungry. They had left their jobs, and they showed up at the door of their fellow believers, asking for bread. They became a burden, an unnecessary burden. They were not working. They were not doing the will of God in their lives. They had nothing to eat. And so Paul sends this instruction. And he sends more than just the instruction. He sends the prayer that through instruction in the Word of God and following their own calling before God, they might have peace always. He says, the Lord of peace himself grant you peace always, in every circumstance. He's speaking there of a transcendent peace. And that's the peace that we need. For we too are easily shaken in mind and troubled. Troubled in this world. Troubled in this world which is declaring It's intolerance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's anger at the claims of Jesus Christ as being Savior and Lord alone. We are in a culture that is anti-truth. Resents being told that there is an absolute truth of God in his word. And that there is but one way of salvation in the precious blood of our Savior We are in a culture which turns to everything for peace, and turning to everything in peace, they just become consumed in despair and hopelessness. The world around us is is difficult for them to cope with their life. We are told that one out of ten people in the United States are receiving therapy or medication against anxiety and despair because without Jesus Christ, There can only be anxiety and despair. And so we too feel all of these forces as an undertow pulling us down into anxiety and hopelessness. 
and we become downcast of spirits and our sins. We see sometimes our sin mounting up against us and the consequences of those sins. And we say, we, le- we lack peace. We can't find peace. Now these words come to us tonight and they jump off the page. God, the Lord of peace, Himself, give you peace always. They grab hold of our shoulders and say, now listen, there is peace. It comes from the Lord of peace in every circumstance, always. We consider these words of the scripture, peace always, looking for the source of this peace, the scope or the extent of this peace, and the secret to this peace. The verse reads, Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you. So the message is very clear. Peace comes from Jesus Christ alone. He is the Lord when it comes to peace of the human soul. He rules. This is His domain exclusively. Peace for the human heart cannot be found on the human level, cannot be found in anything of man, cannot be found in this world. There is no peace, Isaiah 57, for the wicked. There is no peace apart from the Lord God. He is the Lord of peace. Peace. He rules in the matter of peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. The Prince of Peace. Peace. God's Word. Sola Scriptura. God. God is telling us. Peace. For any human being. Can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. The word Lord, Lord of peace, is that, what is that a reference to? Is that a reference to God triune? Well, yes, of course it's a reference to God triune. But I point out to you that it is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Son of God, God himself in human flesh. Verse 12, now them which are such we command by and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is referring to Jesus Christ. He is in, on the earth at this moment, always the Lord of peace. No one can have it without him and without being in him. He's the way to peace. Why is that so? There are three reasons why that is so. He is the Lord of peace, first of all, because of his divine nature, because he is God. As God, he is perfect. And as God in our flesh, as the man Jesus Christ, he in his very essence and in his human nature as well, possesses peace. 
When was the time in his earthly ministry that he was panicked, that he was worried, that he was uncertain? He said to his disciples who went looking for bread and came back and he did not want their bread, he said to them, I have a meat to eat of wherever you don't know. He referred to his father, to his fellowship with his father. The Lord himself, get the words, in himself, Jesus Christ in himself is the Lord of peace in himself. But secondly, he's the Lord of peace because he alone earned peace for us through his work on the cross. We're this week celebrating the Reformation. Sola Christos. That means Christ alone is the way to the Father. There are not other ways. There are not other expressions of true spiritual life. God is not known by many different names and different ways to access Him. This is the lie that Satan would spread into the hearts of men. There is but one way to the Father, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, sola Christos. Ephesians 2 verses 13 and 14 tells us that He has made us nigh unto God through His own blood. Romans 5 verse 1, therefore being justified by faith through Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. He has purchased the forgiveness of our sins and therefore He alone can give that peace. And finally, not only does he himself accomplish peace and have peace in his divine being, but he is, the, he is the one who bestows peace by his Holy Spirit. Sola gratia, by grace alone. It is by his grace that we receive through the Holy Spirit, through faith, his peace the supreme and only commander of peace. Every molecule of peace. Not only every molecule in the whole creation is under his control, for he is Lord of all. He is at the right hand of God. He reigns over all things for the church. But every ounce and every experience is in him. And he is the one who gives it to us. I want to spend just a moment with you. After the conference yesterday, we were all learning at that conference the importance of studying our Bibles and, and knowing where verses are and underlining or find, being able to remember where these verses are. So I want to show you, and I want to show you for yourself that this is this peace that is alone in Christ is, the, is a dominant theme. It's a dominant theme in all the New Testament epistles. All the 13 epistles of the Apostle Paul, every one of them, you can check for yourself, begin in some form of grace and peace be unto you from God and from His Son, Jesus Christ. And most of them end and conclude with the word peace. And so peace, the peace that is by grace, 
through faith in Jesus Christ, rooted upon his work of atonement. This is a dominant theme in the New Testament epistles. It's a, for those uh, students at Grandparents' Day and, and in, the, in the band or in the choir, this is the dominant chord of the New Testament scriptures. Peace in Christ. There is no peace, right, little children, on earth. There is peace in Christ. So here we go. If you'd open your Bibles with me, Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. Paul had already said this uh, in chapter 15, verse 33. It was as if he was going to conclude the epistle Romans, of Romans at the end of chapter 15. And he says, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And then the Spirit gives him more thoughts of greetings. You see all those greetings. And then in verse 20, he comes back to it. He's concluding his epistle. And he says, The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. There it is. It's saying right there, anything that Satan would come to use to threaten you, to bring you into despair, to destroy you, everything. Satan is under his feet and the peace of God will be yours. We turn now to uh, the next example is 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And remember, as you're paging, think about Corinth. Corinth. And if any church needed peace, the Corinthian church, with all their troubles, certainly needed peace. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect or complete. Be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. The apostle is saying there, I want to leave you with just one thought. Corinth, I want to leave you with just these thoughts. Live, be of one mind, be united, live in peace, in Christ's peace. And the peace of God, the love and the peace of God shall be with you. The next epistle, Galatians chapter 6, verse 16. We read Galatians 6, 16, finishing up the epistle. He began by talking about peace. Now he concludes with these words. And as many as walk according to this rule, what rule? Well, that rule is verse 14 that we boast in nothing but Christ and Him crucified. For as many as walk according to that rule, boasting in Christ crucified, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. And then we see Ephesians, the next book, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 23. 
Ephesians 6. Remember, each epistle, we're not looking at those, begins with the reference to peace and concludes with it. Verse 23 of Ephesians 6. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There he is saying to the church, may, may two streams from God converge in your heart. May the stream of the love of God for you and the peace of God, may these now converge in your heart. Jumping ahead to the book of Hebrews. Philemon, Hebrews, chapter 13. This is more familiar. We have this as a benediction at times. Hebrews chapter 13. These words are familiar. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, the God of peace. And how does he give peace? He gives it through that great shepherd of the sheep. And how did he give that peace? Through the blood, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And then the last example, also Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 14. 1 Peter 5, 14. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. So when you see each other, doesn't mean that we plant a kiss on their cheek, but that we see them in the love of God. When you see someone in the church, you see them in the love of God. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now, beloved, we are, why, why this emphasis? Why this emphasis on peace in the epistles? Why not also an emphasis at the beginning and the end on sovereignty? Why not on justice, God's justice? Why not God's holiness? Why is this repeated emphasis of peace? And the answer to that is obvious. We are sheep. We are easily spooked. We are but dust of ourselves. We are but men and women. We need peace on this earth. And it can be found only in Christ. We are stressed. We are panicked. Things don't turn out the way we want them. We worry. We're subject under these circumstances to bitterness, to anger, to hopelessness. Again and again, the New Testament epistles, at the beginning and at the end, speak of peace. Do you think that God is saying something to us? He's saying, the God of peace has revealed through Jesus Christ, the way of peace for man. It's alone in Christ, by grace alone, in Christ alone, through faith alone, to the glory of God alone. He gives it. And He gives it to you through the Gospel, through a faith in that Gospel, and through an understanding of that Gospel, through knowledge of the Scriptures. We come to understand this peace. Peace is not attained simply by kayaking on a glass lake in a beautiful morning with an eagle flying over the head 
or seeing a thousand sunsets or listening to soothing music, all of those things legitimate and wonderful, it's not by relaxing your feet in the Caribbean Sea. It's certainly not. By downing another beer, it's not found in a beer can. It is in Jesus Christ. It can't be experienced apart from Jesus Christ, apart from the gift of a personal faith, a living confidence, a forsaking of all to follow and to obey him. The Lord of peace himself give you peace. Give it to you. Do you experience this peace? And when we do not, for we do not always experience it, why is that? In what way are we looking to ourselves? In what way are we analyzing the world around us and drawing our conclusions? Peace is com comes from Him. Looking to Him. The one who commands the winds and the waves and they must obey Him. Cast your eye upon Jesus. Cast your eye upon our Christ who did, lives in us, revealed in Holy Scripture. Know the truth. Study the doctrines. Pray about them. Speak of them. Peace is in Christ. The scope of this peace is probably a point here that's going to be the most difficult for us to take or is somewhat jarring. Give you peace always, literally, in every circumstance of your life. And that simply means, when you think about it, peace always, that means that the peace that is in Jesus Christ is not dependent on the circumstances of our life. And perhaps there is exactly where we go astray, that we think that peace is somehow tied also with the circumstances of our life, and that if certain circumstances are happening to us, troubling circumstances, that we can't have peace. And the scriptures are saying to us, circumstances do not dictate a person's peace, but our relationship to the Lord determines and dictates that peace. Whether our circumstances under the providence of God, are what we call good, or whether those circumstances are troubling and bad. These circumstances do not determine my peace. A change in circumstances to that which was pleasant, to that which is difficult, does not change my peace. Peace is not the circumstance, but it's the relationship to Jesus Christ by faith. And that doesn't change. And each circumstance 
under the hand of God is being formed and molded to draw us into that relationship in Christ. Now why does peace not depend on the circumstances of our life? Well, first of all, because God is sovereign over those circumstances. And all the circumstances of our life as they unfold before us are the path that God has given us to follow. Number two, peace can't be in those simply in the circumstances because peace is God with us. Note the verse. The God, God himself, the Lord, give you peace always. The Lord be with you. The Lord is with us in every circumstance. He is sovereign. He does not forsake us in different circumstances. He's the same in every circumstance. And finally, circumstances don't determine our peace because those circumstances can't take us away from God. Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? He is not a God who is afar off. He's not a God who's observing those circumstances. He's not a God who says, I'm there for you. I, I've got your back, but I couldn't do anything about what happened to you, but I want you to know I'm there. That's not God. That is not God. God is sovereign. All things come from his hand. Heaven and earth do not move. Nothing moves apart from his determinate will and good pleasure. And therefore, through every circumstance, he's working and he's making deeper our peace. For a child of God, born of grace by the Holy Spirit, living by faith in Jesus Christ, for a child of God, for you, for me, life is not a bad break. Your life is not worse than others. Your circumstances are not a noose around your neck. God's call to you tonight to trust in him is not impossible. We sing in Psalter 383, my life and all its perfect plan was ordered ere my days began. Poverty or prosperity, adversity or abundance, infirmity or health, Lord's Day 10 of the Heidelberg Catechism, none of these things come by chance, but by his fatherly hand. You see, the peace of belonging to Jesus Christ is transcendent. It, transcend, it is, goes over all circumstances. It is steadfast. The Lord of peace himself give you peace. You won't have peace if simply the circumstances of your life tonight change. If you're married to someone else. You won't have peace 
If you turn and run from your calling that God has given to you in a very difficult way, you won't have peace. If you forsake your confession, deny that confession in this world, you won't have peace. We have peace by submitting to God's good will, looking to him for strength, and following him. We have peace always. Does it, does it always glow the way it's supposed to? No. For we are weak. We struggle. But God gives us grace. We look to him. That peace he promises always. But we still say, okay, that's true. We believe that. But is there some secret here that we're not being told? What is the secret? Well, the secret, as I pointed out already, are the last words of the verse, the Lord with you. B is italics, so it reads, the Lord is, we could put, B is with you. And so that's the source of it. Peace is knowing that the Lord is with me and will help me and will not forsake me. And when the words here are, the Lord is with you, it's not simply a testimony to God's omnipresence, for in that sense, he's always with us. He is with, he's never absent from any particle of his creation. As Paul said in Acts 17 to the Greek philosophers, in God, the God who I declare to you, we live and move and have our being. He is ever present. But those words, the Lord is with you, is, as we discussed at the church conference, covenant is his covenant. Is to know him as our sovereign, gracious friend and that we walk in fellowship with him. He is with us in his grace and by his spirit each day. He's with each child of God. There are times that that presence of God with us is, so to speak, highlighted in our experience. Those can be times under great testing, great what we would call tragedy, and we feel God is faithful to his promise, and we know he's with us. And we, t we, can, we can feel it. We can taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord is with us in a special way right here in the communion of saints. In worship, on Sunday, on the, the Lord's Day. This, why is this day precious? It's a day for our souls. That's why it's precious. It's a day in which in a very special way through the preaching of the word and through the fellowship of saints, one with each other and sharing each other's burdens, we sense spiritually in a strong way that the Lord is with us. And when he is with us, he gives us peace always. But how do I continue to experience 
this peace. This is how. We are called to trust God. We are called to put away our own strength and our own resources, our own solutions. We are called to be faithful. We are called to do what the Lord has called us to do to him. But we are to put away our own strength. We are to trust completely in God through Jesus Christ. Your spouse cannot give you peace. An elder cannot give you peace. He can speak the words of God to you, very important. A friend cannot give you peace. Only God can give you peace. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. To trust Him means to know Him. Means to become acquainted with Him as He speaks to you of whom, who He is through the Holy Scriptures. It is to know Him more and more. It means that you throw everything on Him not irresponsibility, not facing his calling, but you throw these things upon him. You cast them into his arms. We must trust God. We must love God. The more we love him, the more we are awed by his majesty, power, and holiness, his omnipotence, his wisdom, the more we love Him, we have peace. We don't have peace the more we love ourselves in pride. We don't have peace the more we love the things of this world and forget that we are stewards of them. We don't have peace when we get the things we want. We have peace when we love God. And then finally, trust, love, and obey God. Now the fourth and fifth grade catechism students, pay attention. You remember what we've talked about the last two Mondays. We've talked about Abraham. And what were the three things that God, through the life of Abraham, we said there were three things God was constantly teaching him. When God said, take your son Isaac and sacrifice him, and in everything, all of Abraham's trials, what were the three things? Abraham was being taught by God to trust God, to love God, to obey God. Trust, love, obey we must obey God. We must listen to Him in our lives. We must follow what He says. And that means that peace comes into our life. Not when we have a hard heart. Not when we have a careless heart. Not when we have a disobedient heart to God. 
It comes with the grace of repenting and confessing our sins before God. And so the question is, when is the last time for you and for me that we have sobbed out our heart to God and our sins against Him, that we were pricked and burdened over our sins? Or are we simply indifferent to our sins? Peace comes in trusting, loving, obeying, we'll add now this one, repenting. We have no peace. We need to repent and obey God. We come to him confidently tonight through the son of his love, Jesus Christ, the Savior. We come to him with the promises of his grace to his children. He will in no wise cast us out. He says to us, there will not be a night when you cry to me that I will not hear you and I will never remove my grace and peace from you. Then let's go to God tonight and let's confess our sins and let's ask him that we might trust him and love him and obey him. Let us be sure that tonight we go to home in peace through Jesus Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray that thou wilt bless thy word to our hearts. We know that it is delivered to us tonight in weakness and in, through a sinful man who struggles over the very things that he preaches. And yet they are thy word, not man's. We pray that thou wilt take these truths, peace always, through the Lord of peace, our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name do we pray. Amen.